Hello and welcome to this podcast from the International Monetary Fund. I'm Jocelyn Frank. Labor market flexibility is the ease with which firms can change the number of employees they hire or the ability of employers to alter the number of hours their employees work. Some economists believe that this kind of flexibility is essential in order to maintain an efficient market economy. Restrictions, rules, and too many regulations around minimum wages and pensions can, some say, contribute to less hiring and sluggish growth. But according to Sandra Pulaski, the Deputy Director for Policy at the International Labor Organization, in recent years there's been an excessive focus on promoting worker flexibility as a way to reverse the global economic downturn. Ms. Pulaski participated in a discussion during last month's IMF World Bank annual meetings on how economic growth can be nurtured and benefit all. I spoke with her after that seminar about her recommendations for promoting stronger growth. She began by explaining why it's time to stop squeezing more concessions out of workers. There is a sort of a a mantra that one of the problems of why we have slow growth is because our labor markets are too highly regulated. I don't buy that. Why, Why are employers not hiring? They're not hiring because they don't see demand for their products and services. Corporations are tending to hang on to their cash or give it back to their shareholders. They're not investing in the real economy despite record low interest rates. Consumers are not opening their wallets as fast as they would have in the past because they're a bit scared about their job security. And so we have a bit of a a negative reinforcing cycle here where the consumers don't buy, therefore the companies don't invest, therefore the government doesn't get the tax revenues, therefore they can't build the highways. So so we're in a bit of a self-reinforcing negative loop here. And to say that if it was easier to fire workers, we would get out of it, I don't think is the right prescription. What kind of investments, then, do you think governments should be making to help workers and businesses without contributing to that negative loop? There are a lot of things that I think that business and the public at large and trade unions can agree on. For example, one of the things that government has traditionally done well in the advanced economies but has backed off in recent decades is investing in infrastructure. Whether we're talking about roads or railroads or power supply, electricity, internet, I mean, at wireless access, that investment has gone down a lot in recent years as a percentage of GDP. If the government were to invest in that again in the short term, it's understood that you'll put people to work with infrastructure investment. It was a big part of the stimulus programs during the depth of the crisis. We should do it again. Another one is education. You know, get good public education out there for everybody because it's an investment, obviously, in the quality of life, but it's also an investment in your economies. Critics would argue that these kinds of investments can be very expensive, maybe too expensive for nations already struggling with large government debt. What's your response to that kind of criticism? Um, During the crisis, governments were spending a lot because they were afraid that we were going into a depression. They spent, and that was why we got out of the severe recession of 2009. But somehow now, since about 2010, it's become fashionable to say, well, sorry, the government simply can't do that because we don't want to increase our debt. Debt levels are not as high now as they were in the 50s when people were paying down World War II. Well, that was a period of huge growth. There's a bit of a uh, either a political or a psychological mistake here, which is to say that, that governments should always be frugal. This is not the time for them to be frugal. 
there is space for investment, and I think that, that that's investment in infrastructure, for example, but also investment in education and, and health care would get the economy going again immediately by creating jobs there, and those revenues would then be used by the government to pay down the debt later on once we're on an upward cycle. Do you feel like positive change is, is coming? I mean, you've outlined some ways that you would like to see it set into place, but do you think that it's, it's going to be arriving in the short term? You know, the, the world looks um, very different, in different at different points in the world. There are a number of emerging economies that are, that are doing a lot of the things that I've been talking about right. Uh, Brazil, over the last 20 years, has done a lot to redistribute, and they've done it both in what we call the market distribution. So they have raised minimum wages, and they've strengthened collective bargaining systems, and they've improved their social benefits, their, their pension system, their social protection systems. They've done a lot to put more money into the pockets of people, especially people who are poor and just above poor and the lower middle class. And they got a lot of growth out of that. China most people don't know, has been raising minimum wages faster than has ever been observed by any country in history. So for almost 20 years now, they've been raising minimum wages by double digits or more every year. Well, they started from very low wages, but you keep doing that for 20 years and you see a big difference. And indeed, China now has wages that, that are completely unlike what the, the caricature of China is. Well, that's money in consumer pockets and people are going out and buying things and that's keeping the economy going. Those are some good examples of positive change, but what about in another region of the world, often described as sitting at the epicenter of the economic crisis? What's your opinion of the Eurozone? Um, I have to say that where I am really worried is uh, in Europe. Governments in, in some countries in Europe have actually reduced minimum wages and reduced wages through, through reducing collective bargaining power. The, uh, the Eurozone I think has adopted too much fiscal consolidation, including beyond what was needed in order to be able to fund the debt. It's, it's a downward cycle, so I, they, they really need to break out of it. That would be my biggest worry in the global economy right now. Obviously, there are huge amounts of things to be done in low-income countries, but a lot of them are, are really trying to do the right policy things. They need the support of the bank. They need the support of the fund. Sandra Pulaski, the Deputy Director General for Policy at the International Labor Organization, discussing her recommendations for promoting stronger growth. To hear additional podcasts like this one, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash IMF podcasts.